Wrestling Federation proudly presents WrestleMania! The WWF Champion, Ric Flair, defends the title against the number one contender, the Macho Man, Randy Savage! The maniacal Sid Justice goes one-on-one with the immortal Hulk Hogan in what could prove to be Hulk Hogan's farewell match. It's a double main event. It's WrestleMania! Welcome to Indianapolis, Indiana! Welcome to the Hoosier Dome! Welcome to WrestleMania 8! Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are, coming into the month of August. We have to get through this show quickly because I'm on time constraints, you're on time constraints. We're both going through some very odd times in this COVID pandemic that all of us are going through together. But what do you have for us from the news desk quickly this week, sir? Rusev has decided he is fully done with wrestling, that he is completely over and retired and is going to move forward in being a professional twitcher. His first day out, he got a one-day suspension for having Lana in a bikini. So that's... Uh, that. I don't know what a professional Twitcher is. I know yeah, so, what Twitch is, but oh, I don't you know, know what Twitch is. Yes, but I don't know what a professional Twitcher is. You'll have to enlighten me on this this whole thing. How do you get paid to just be on Twitch? Well, it's amazing, but a lot of people do it. And what what it is is you set up a webcam and you stream your game and you set up some sort of game capture device so you can have the game footage on the screen at the same time and it puts you in a little window and you have a chat window but the big thing is the donate now button so people that are watching you and chatting and following along can click the donate now button and just send you money and uh, that's how a lot of twitchers make money there's a there's other ways they go about it too like Really popular Twitch streamers get some of the ad revenue because Twitch will run ads on very popular channels, so they get a cut of that revenue. Some of the the Twitchers, they will put their content on YouTube, edit it down, and then put it on YouTube, and so that's another way that they make money. They also make money through product placement because a game company will see somebody like Rusev who's got a little bit of name value and say, hey, why don't you sit in our gaming chair? Or why don't you wear these headphones or this headset or play this game? And so they get uh, paid by those endorsements too, which there's been a lot of talk in recent years online about how upfront people on social media should be about whether they're getting paid or not because uh, sometimes it's misleading, you know, whether it's an endorsement or not because in, in radio and TV, that's called payola. That's called plugola. You can get in a lot of trouble if you do that on traditional mediums like radio and TV. And so people like Kendall Jenner and the Kardashians have come under fire over the years because they have millions and millions of followers. They'll put out a picture of them wearing something and not say hashtag ad at the end of it. And so 
it's like it you don't know if it's an endorsement or not because that totally changes the trajectory of of what it's presented as but you can make a lot of money on twitch if you have a following now i i dare say i'm i'm gonna sound a little sexist here but i think uh the women do better on twitch because they get guys uh sad i hate to say it's sad but uh they get guy fans that they want to see them in low cut tops they 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 get it in their head that they're going to hit it off with these girls and they send them money and that's not to say that men on twitch don't uh, there's plenty of male people on twitch that male people there are plenty of males on twitch that do very well for themselves that don't wear low cut tops or anything else like that but uh so you can make money at it I'm not sure how Rusev is going to fare, but um, he's 34 years old. His 90-day non-compete was up on July 15th, and he has not come back to wrestling, which is kind of strange. I didn't realize he was 34. He still seemed young to me. That's kind of old in wrestling. I say it's kind of old. Some wrestlers wrestle until they're in their 70s. but So he's got plenty of, of tread on his tires if he wants to get back into wrestling, but... Uh, in the, in this pandemic, I'm sure he's not rushing to get back into it. And if he can make good money on Twitch, uh, there's other wrestlers that make plenty of money doing video game stuff, uh, like Xavier Woods, Up, Up, Down, Down, makes him a ton of money. In fact, Xavier Woods was petitioning to be a part of G4, which is relaunching. So you can make a lot of money doing it. You have a built-in fan base from wrestling. We'll see if he sticks with this, if this works out for him. Getting suspended for having Lana on there, uh, that's kind of confusing I, I because, like I said, uh, lots of the, the, the females on there, and it's not just females. I'm sure there, there are men that do it too. We're pretty provocative outfits, so... Whatever that's all about, I, I I don't know what that's all about. But she's been off of T- TV uh, for a while, and uh, Lana has been dealing with both her parents catching COVID nineteen, so she's not been at the performance center. So she's been at home with Rusev, and I'm sure she's not too pleased with Rusev not being in the company anymore. So that's the update on C J Perry. We'll see what happens with uh, both C J Perry and Rusev. I still think they are going to get back into, well, uh, Rusev anyway. CJ's under contract with the WWE, but Rusev, I I do see him getting back into the ring. I think this is just uh, to hold him over until the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, goes goes away a little bit so he can feel safer getting into the ring. That makes a lot of sense with with all the stuff that's going on. Yeah, and the other news item I wanted to get to before we got into our review this week, because as I said, I'm just, I'm on a time crunch. I actually, uh, most weeks I, I don't, I 2020's been a, a very bad year for me as far as my uh, work life goes, because I had my hours at one of my jobs significantly cut, but this is actually a week that I've got some hours there, so I'm back to almost... My what would have been my normal schedule up until January 27th. So um, just for this week anyway. So I've got to move on quickly. But Underground Raw, this was presented as the third hour of Raw on Monday night. And Shane McMahon was brought back despite being kicked out of the company um, in October by Kevin Owens. Uh, he's brought back with no explanation. 
and he has started his own underground fight club in the performance center and he it's one of the most ridiculous concepts that i have seen i didn't watch it live because i, I i'm an old man and i go to bed i rarely ever get to the third hour of raw even if i did have time it just it's it's a drag three hours of raw is not like three hours of nitro in 1998 there it's just a drag it's hard to get through and so this third hour of raw he introduces us to raw underground and they have dancing ladies like the old ecw days they weren't in cages but he's got dancing ladies and he's got some unknown guys and then he's got like eric from the viking raiders and they're and they're brawling on this mat and but it's it's worked shoot fights. It's not it's not a brawl for all where they're actually trying to shoot fight, which, well, you can barely call that shoot fighting. But it's somewhere in between. And um, actually, Eric from the Viking Raiders was presented better than ever because instead of playing basketball or doing uh, karaoke, carpool, carpool karaoke with the other Viking Raider, he was actually shown to be a badass. And... Uh, was shown off pretty well. So um, this third hour of Raw has been doing very, very poorly heading into this week. Uh, Raw ratings have been doing very, very poorly uh, this past quarter. And you can't blame it all on the pandemic. You have to blame it on creative because um, it's been like this now since March. Uh, these these performance center shows. So wrestling ring. Uh, I'm actually rewatching the replay here. A wrestling ring with, with no, no ropes. ropes. Yeah. On a black canvas. You have women dancing on a little mini stage. You have Shane in and off this ring in a matter of seconds. You have people just jumping in, wanting to take on the next opponent. Uh, yeah, it's straight up Fight Club come to life. This is very odd. This is very, very odd. The matches are lasting like 30 seconds, it looks like, if that. I don't know. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued. It, ha- it has caught my attention. So, I knew. I had a feeling you might actually like this. You might actually bite this. Uh, bite on this, not bite this, not WWE's bite this. But it reminds me a lot of, of the uh, video game like Def Jam Vendetta or Def Jam Fight for New York. That's what it looks yes. like. A, a dimly yeah. lit place with like surrounded by a mob and you just hop in when you want to fight. And I don't exactly know what this is going to... Unless this is like you have hopes like he introduced a new uh, wrestler and uh, I forget what his name is. Um, but Some massive it, dude. Oh, I've he's seen. massive. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a scary looking dude. If this is to like build like maybe down the road like a contender for Brock, maybe I can see the payoff in it, you know? But outside of that, it's just like it's just confusing to me. And uh, as I mentioned, the third hour of Raw doing very, very poorly. This actually brought up the numbers. Now, not it didn't bring it up by very much, but like if you look at percentages, this did okay. And as I mentioned to you, they tape raw two at a time now so we're at least going to get another week of this next week probably i don't know if the dancing girls are going to be there or not they they seem to have gotten a lot of backlash on that 
we'll see. I'm just very confused. I really wanted Shane to get in there since Shane has all this MMA training. He's just the ringleader of it. He's the announcer guy. Um, but he's got this MMA training. I know his punches are terrible looking when he's in a wrestling match. I want to see him get in there and work. Like I, I want to see Seth Rollins, who you know looks great, but I don't think has ever been in an actual fight in his life. Uh, I want to see him go against somebody. And uh, but if they're worked, I mean, I guess you can work it however you want to. But a very strange concept, I think, to be introducing in 2020. A very attitude era idea to be brought in 2020 yeah i'm i'm game uh, like i said i'm flipping through and just kind of zooming over it i'm i'm in they've got my attention on it yeah it's just going to be difficult for you to stay up uh past 10 o'clock on monday nights i have a feeling just like it is for me true very true all right patrick it was your pick this week and this week's pick was dedicated to the memory of rowdy roddy piper who passed away on july 31st Five years ago. I can't believe it's already been five years ago. He's one of those larger-than-life characters that, sort of like the Macho Man and, and other uh, wrestlers like that, where it, it doesn't feel like they've been gone that long. Dusty Rhodes, like, it doesn't feel like they've been gone that long because you see them yeah. so often in clips. Like, they are just... It a more slapped me in the face. That's what kind of brought this whole thing up, was it slapped me in the face, literally, when... Uh, it was the five-year anniversary, and I was blown away. I was like, geez, it's been five years. So I wanted to do a dedication, uh, more or less, kind of a spotlight of Rowdy Roddy Piper in one of his best uh, matches, and one that he says himself is one of his favorite matches uh, in any promos that you watch, actual, legit sit-down interview promos, that he just loved this match. And so we're going to do WrestleMania 8 for the IC title. Him and Brett 1,000% have loved this match, even as a kid, because you see Bret Hart just get busted open right out of the gate, it seems like. And there's a fan. There's a ride there for fans. He gets into uh, he gets into it. and that, There's a that, story. Yeah, there's a there's a legit story. You go in loving him, you then turn and absolutely hate him. Then at the end, you turn back and love him, and that's a true that's true talent right there. To be able to do do two turns in one match like that is something that is very difficult, and only a select few ever have have the ability and the capability of pulling that off. So well, now they have such a hesitation to book face-face matchups because at this point Piper was a face because he defeated the Mountie for the belt. So he was a good guy going into this. And nowadays they just are so scared to have a face versus face matchup where you have characters uh, you know, question their motives and and tease going back to the dark side like he does in this match. And it's something they don't do anymore. And I think they're really missing out by never booking face versus face. Yeah, exactly. And there was a situation uh, that a lot of people don't discuss. Well, I don't say situation like a buildup for Royal Rumble 1992. Everybody's bought into uh flair 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 but 
the big storyline going into that wasn't Flair. It was Piper gets the IC title. He gets a chance at the IC and a chance at the WWE title all in one fell swoop. So he was he was able to capture one. But if you go back and actually watch 92 Rumble, there's multiple interviews with him throughout the night. He's like, you know, one down, one to go, that kind of stuff. So there was a there was a build for him at this time with this title and to push him once again, I saw into that main event role. Yeah, there was a tease when they had that press conference to choose the number one contender against Flair because uh, the Rumble was for the belt, so it didn't determine the number one contender. And they had a press conference, and Piper was at the table. So there was definitely uh, a push by the fans and the company to push him as a top guy. The problem is that Piper was setting out to do movies, and this would be his last match in quite some time in the WWF. He would appear at SummerSlam playing the bagpipes, but he did not wrestle uh, over in Wembley Stadium in 92. Uh, but he was he was going off to Hollywood. He was This was uh, The Rock's uh, template here, is that you, uh, you, you go out with a really good match and go to Hollywood, and, and you come back a few years later and uh, do some other matches. Uh, so this is... April 5th, 1992, Indianapolis, Indiana, at the Hoosier Dome. Rest in peace, as it was replaced by, I don't even know what it's called now, Lucas Oil Field or something. It was renamed the RCA Dome, I think, after it was the Hoosier Dome. 62,167 people here, which is amazing, considering what WrestleMania 7 looked like because they originally had booked that for the L.A. Coliseum, couldn't sell the tickets, moved it to a smaller venue in L.A., blamed it on terrorism. That's not the case. They just couldn't sell the tickets to fill a football stadium. But they filled the Hoosier Dome, and one reason they filled it is because the tickets were very, very cheap. But it did look great. It, this, next to WrestleMania 3, this is the first WrestleMania since WrestleMania 3, uh, that looks just tremendous on television. It just the massive scale, those those old domes with the white inflatable roofs. There's something about that that has gone away, even in modern day stadium shows, because the crowd is is well lit. You can see the mass of people there. Like it just looks awesome. Well, they yeah, had actually that- run even Toronto Sky Dome and at WrestleMania six doesn't look as massive as this. And that's because it doesn't have a big white inflatable dome to let all that light in. So I was gonna say when they do the sky the sky shoots over, the walkway between like sections of the floor for people to walk is massive. So technically had they pushed and added maybe thirty more rows throughout just the floor alone. They could have easily pushed that 90,000 mark because this building was that big, or at least the floor of this building was that big. So a very unique style, legendary style uh, building that, yeah, unfortunately is no longer standing. One of those legendary historic venues that we miss every single time we 
come across and think about an event happening there. And this would be the last WrestleMania held in one of these giant domes until X7. So they went almost a decade before they tried it again. So um, this is the downturn of the company was uh, quickly approaching and had already kind of started in 91. So the new um, generation was about to, uh, to kick in. Uh, yeah, they kicked in, all right. They they kicked in and they tore it down. <laughs> they tore down. Actually, it was more of the steroid trial than than it was the performers, and it was more of the um, negative things surrounding Vince McMahon, uh, the departure of Hulk Hogan, the departure of Piper, um, the testing, the steroid testing that scared some guys to go to WCW, like Rick Rude and Jake Roberts. And he didn't leave necessarily for steroids. He left for money. But um, so, yeah, they had a real downturn. Uh, so it wasn't entirely the performer's fault, but it was it was fast approaching. So I'd say this is the last hurrah before uh, business takes a serious downturn. Um, well, I guess you could say SummerSlam in 92, but that's over in England. That's special circumstances, I think. Um, so this is a lot. The last the, WrestleMania. You didn't, have, you didn't have steroid guys then, though. Think of that. You didn't have a. Massive... Well, they had Bulldog at SummerSlam, so. Um, well, he was high, but that was not massive on steroids. No, he he definitely had a roid belly. You could tell he was off cycle, and that was when uh, Ultimate Warrior started wearing his singlet. I mean, this is where Macho Man started wearing a shirt, so you can tell that. You know, the pressure on Vince caused a lot of these guys to get off the gas. So anyway, moving on, moving on past uh, chemically enhanced performers. We start with a dark match we didn't get to see. We both watched the network version. And uh, thank goodness we didn't get to see this because I might have turned it off right away. The dark match was the Bushwhackers and the Beverly Brothers. So, Oh, that's rough. I'm surprised the crowd was as hot as they were after that. I'm surprised the crowd stuck around because I might have been like, you know what, fuck this. Because like I tell you, every time I see these two tag teams, it's an instant turnoff for me. And this thing went 10 minutes. So... I'm glad that this dark match was not included. This is not something I want to see as a DVD bonus, or I, I want this to disappear uh, from history. And uh, so, anyway, we get the official open to the pay per view, and uh, Vince McMahon he teases the double main event, which means no main event because when you tease a double main event, you means yeah, I don't really know which I don't we don't have anything. So just whatever you want. And uh we can well in my opinion, and we'll get to it at the end of the show, they went with the wrong actual main event to close the show. If you are one that believes the main event is the thing that closes the show, they really fucked up, in my opinion. Um but the reason they went with the matches they did is because Vince teases this could be Hulk Hogan's last match. Last match ever, Patrick. So uh, don't watch WrestleMania 9. And uh, last, last match <laughs> ever for his first run at a movie. Well, I think first. this is like his second or third run at yeah, a movie. Yeah, this is what, Mr. Nanny or some crap? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, 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 because... 
Well, and also the steroid trial was coming up, and I think Vince was going to withhold judgment on Hulkster uh, after he got off the witness stand as to whether he would be back or not. And, uh, yeah, he came back the very next year, uh, albeit for a short time before leaving them for WCW. Um, but Vince is just later on in the show when they do the interview, boy, Vince is the ultimate Hulkamaniac. He is, uh, absolutely. And as far as Hulk's last match in the WWF, you'd have to go to the WWE 2006 Randy Orton SummerSlam. If you remember that, that's Hulk's actual last WWE match. Well, for now. He's uh he's training. You all you say this every year. You know he's what, brother? I hope I hope the brother 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 never pe- passes away. But even a year after he passes away, you're gonna get on here and say, you know what? I think Hogan's got one more match left in him. <laughs> you're gonna say he's coming back, brother. He's 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 taking those vitamins. He's drinking his milk. He's saying his prayers. He's coming back, brother. Bobby and Gorilla on the call. Oh, sad day. This is their final WrestleMania as a team together, as uh, Gorilla would be kind of the host of festivities at WrestleMania 9 and not on the table with Bobby. And uh, Bobby would be joined by Macho Man and Jim Ross in a robe. So, uh, And uh, Bobby Heenan on a camel to introduced into that show this wrestlemania 8 by the way when uh you said what's a good piper match i'm sure a lot of nwa enthusiasts are gonna be like well you're not remembering this i'm sorry this is just his most well-known match that's why we picked this show but also when you said uh pick a piper show and i said wrestlemania 8 you're like haven't we done that and i was like maybe we have and i had to double check so i'm pretty sure we haven't done this if it turns out i'm wrong which i, I swear i triple checked this uh, sorry guys, you're just going to hear a WrestleMania 8 review again. It's, I guess it's just a show I've seen like two or three times, so I just feel like we've great WrestleMania, by the way. I mean, one of the top ten I I say you can watch over and over and over again. I think it's definitely underrated when people exactly. think about top WrestleManias, but I think it has a lot to do with how it ends. Reba McIntyre, one of your favorites, sings the oh. national anthem. Not yeah. God Bless America, which is kind of weird because it's usually God Bless America, but she just does the national anthem. And she does fine, except for when she tries her vocal gymnastics, which is the stuff. Uh, but otherwise, Re- Reba's fine. Reba's always great. El Matador Tito Santana is out first. Ariba. Then the Sherry version of Sexy Boy sends out the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. Shawn's wonderful mullet. He's got earrings and sunglasses. He's out of the rockers. Marty Jannetty, who he was in the news today, but I'm not going to comment on what he was in the news about. Really? Oh, let's just say Marty made another uh, crazy Facebook post, Patrick. And Marty, uh, on this Facebook post... Um, may have confessed to killing somebody. So that's what happened today. The day, the day we're recording, August 5th, 2020. I mean, he might get on Facebook later today and say I was hacked. Or in the past, he's said about other Facebook things that he's posted that he leaves his phone unlocked and people fuck with him. So I don't know. But this one seemed pretty authentic to me. And uh, yeah, he uh, this in this post... 
he allegedly claimed to allegedly, allegedly, allegedly may have murdered a guy when he was 13 years old. So we'll see. Sean's got a wonderful mullet with earrings and sunglasses. He's in his white with red and black zebra kind of spots. Get up. Not his worst look, but not his best. He's still getting his uh, heartbreak kid act together. Sherry's in a two-piece midriff bearing white top and skirt. Sean's jacket says he's too sexy for this world, which I, I don't think so. Gorilla points out that Sherry has a Shawn Michaels fake tattoo on her chest. Can you believe that, Bobby? Uh, yes, we can, because it's there. HBK eats a crossbody from Tito for a two-count. Gorilla pimps the special WrestleMania 900 hotline. So they, they made a hotline just for this WrestleMania, where you can call and... Get all the scoops, I guess, after you watch the show. Sean gets clotheslined over the ropes, flops into the guardrail. Sherry grabs him. They regroup. Tito works a headlock for a while. El Matador has right punches and chin locks. That's what he came to play with. Heenan even calls him out on going back to the same moves over and over again. Gorilla says side headlocks never work, so both of them shitting on Tito's offense. Tito gets chucked outside of the ring. Sherry just stares him down but doesn't cheap shot him. A backbreaker to Tito when he gets back in the ring from Sean. Sean goes to a chin lock. Tito fires up, eats a super kick, but it's not Sean's finisher, so no cover. He goes for his patented teardrop suplex, but Tito counters it, hits the flying burrito, sends Sean out of the ring. Sean recovers. Tito slingshots into the ring with a shoulder block, follows it up with a knee lift, atomic drop, and the crowd actually fires up for Tito's comeback here. Tito hits another flying burrito, but Sean rolls out of the ring. Tito tries a scoop slam as Sean tries to get into the ring. Sean holds the top rope, and they fuck up the finish here as Sean just falls on top of Tito, and I believe Tito's feet were supposed to be down. Sherry was supposed to run and grab them and hold them while the ref counted, but Tito's legs were still in the air, and so the ref counts one, two, three. Doesn't matter. Shawn Michaels still wins the match. Bobby wants a replay, and Gorilla says no replay. Bobby says that uh, Tito must have hit his head on the way down from that attempted scoop slam, and that's that's the reasoning. that He, he knocked himself out. What an idiot. So, uh, there you go. Opening match, good opening match for Shawn Michaels. Tito, on the other hand, sorry, Tito, not looking too good here in uh, WrestleMania 8. You got to come with more offense than that, especially so against you, somebody like Shawn Michaels. He, he handed it to him pretty quickly and pretty pretty hard right out of the gate. And that was uh, that was just something Tito wasn't capable of handling. Uh, Sean and Sherry hit their pose, which uh, this was a good combination, and I, I wish it had lasted a little bit longer. But uh, Sean, when he does his pose, he throws Sherry down in front of him, and she likes it. So uh, uh, Sherry, Sherry Martell, very, uh, well, she's a Hall of Famer. I, I don't think she's underrated, I guess. She gets the credit she deserves, but she helped a lot of guys. And I think she really helped Sean here develop his uh, heel character, which uh, when she left, he would he would have no trouble with because he'd be so uh, hooked on painkillers and shit. Uh, he was probably uh, turning into a good heel all on his own. So uh, but Sherry Martell doing a good job getting him started. This is WrestleMania, and of course you can't have WrestleMania without one of the hottest tag teams on the planet, the Legion of Doom. So they Whoa. come out, but it's not for a match, Patrick. No, it's oh. to bring out Paul Ellering to introduce Paul Ellering to 
fans that had probably no clue who Paul Ellering was. If I was a kid, I'd be like, what is this? What am I watching? They do an interview out on the platform in front of the crowd. Ellering tries to explain who he is. Then Hawk and Animal just scream. And then Ellering finishes up the promo. And this was just what a waste of Legion of Doom on this show. I have returned! I am the Bad Apple! It was need that first brought the Legion of Doom together. It was ability that propelled the Legion of Doom to be the greatest team of all time. It was honor that formed the bond that forms the Legion of Doom. And it is revenge that unites us once again. Heed my words and mark them well. This is the beginning of the end. For I have come not to get rich, but to get even. Tell them, animal. Will you know something, Gene Oakland? Since day one, the Legion of Doom has looked all adversity here in the World Wrestling Federation right in the face, and we beat everybody. Now you, Jimmy Hart, first, you cheat on your own team. To us, you're the lowest scum on this stinking planet. And we are going to get revenge on you for losing the titles. We are going to stop at nothing. And you, Jimmy Austin IRS, how are you going to feel when you got 25, 75,000 people chanting L-O-D, L-O-D. There's no way you are going to beat us. All right, Hulk. Well, you know what we've been? We've been a runaway train. Nobody driving it. Scary, Haji. Yeah. Scarier now. Look who's driving the train. You know, the missing piece of the puzzle is complete. The last link of the chain makes it whole again. And you people, all of you, you know in your hearts where your heart lays when it comes to tag teams. And our hearts lay with you. That's why we're the best. Tell them, Paul. Gene, from the rocking of the cradle to the rolling of the hearst, all the tag teams out there ask themselves this question. Is the going up worth the coming down? Because the LOD is great. Because we dare to be great. And we've always earned our money the old-fashioned way. We beat people for it. Oh, there's the hand that rocks the cradle, Monsoon. Now, Gene, when my boys are good, they're very good. 
And when my boys are bad, <laughs> they're very bad. And I am the proculator of destruction. I have come for one reason, and one reason only. It is the small, minute detail that separates the good from the great. It is those small details that are going to propel us back to the tag team titles that rightfully belong to the LOD. We don't care if it's the Genius and the Beverly Brothers. We don't care if it's the Nasty Boys and Jimmy Hart. Or we don't care if it's Money Incorporated. We're not going to let down the little Legion of Doomers. We're not letting down nobody. Ain't that right, Hawk? As uh, they really should have been fighting the natural disasters, but instead they were just cutting a promo. This is it for them on this show. What a waste. All you remember is Ellering being with them in the 92 Wembley Stadium SummerSlam, but uh, this could have been something great to have Ellering show up and be a part of a match or just as a, a uh, manager just come out of nowhere and help the Legion of Doom win a match here at WrestleMania, I think would have been a great historical moment that they could have put them in there with the Beverly brothers or the Bushwhackers or some BS team like that. Yeah. And they could have introduced him on a Saturday night's main event or superstars in advance. And then still given the LOD a match. I mean, I'm sure that Hawk and animal, since they were on WrestleMania, they got a WrestleMania payday, so they were probably glad to have the night off. Hawk was ready to hit the bar. So uh, that in, in that case, it was good, because I'm always for making money and doing less work. But unfortunately, uh, this you know their, their one appearance, yeah, SummerSlam 92 is the only time you can really remember the three of them together. And uh, in the latest batch of the new WWE action figures, Paul Ellering gets paired with Rocco. He's in a combo pack with Rocco the doll. So Really? The, yeah, in 2020, uh, the new line of elite figures that debuted uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, which was all done online this year, uh, they did some really funny pairings. Like they, they put Bret Hart in a pack with Goldberg, which is hilarious. And uh, gave... When that happened, yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, yeah, and it, it gave... well considering they hate each other but they also it was they gave brett a shirt and a metal plate to reenact that nitro thing that happened i guess and then um yeah they put paul ellering in a pack with rocco so those were two of the notables from uh the comic-con reveals and china finally got uh an action figure in 2020 so uh from her wrestlemania 2001 or x7 get up so uh there you go uh, a few notes for you fi- action figure collectors who uh based on what i've seen on twitter no one can find any of these things in stores so uh good luck to you if you're trying to get them on on you know and pay regular price not pay a scout i want a, i want a rocco that's uh, i'm in i'm in i want a rocco you want a full-size rocco you want a ventriloquist dummy well yeah absolutely out next oh no 
Jake the Loaded Snake. And Jake cuts a good promo on Taker and Paul Bearer, and I'll include it here. I have to ask you about several rumors that claim you plan to bring a snake to the ring. Oh, man. You see, that's how rumors get started. Somebody makes a little noise. We both know that Jack Tunney, as senile as he is, would not let me bring my favorite little pet to the ring. Now, don't we? Well, I know President Jack Tunney would not sanction such a move. I also know he did not approve of your recent actions during your visit to the funeral parlor. He just doesn't know how to have fun. That's all it was, was a little fun. In my own way, the biggest man doesn't always win. No, no, he doesn't. The strongest man doesn't always win. No, but the smartest man, the coldest man. Watch this, brother. Ooh, short ride, bad landing. But look at the undertaker here. The trap was set, the trap was sprung, and I got just what I want. Look at him, helpless, very helpless. I'm going to take my time. Yeah, I can enjoy the things that I want to in life. And yes, I'm going to enjoy this. Check this out. And I've played this over my mind a million times. And don't think for a moment that I didn't enjoy this. Watch this. Boom! Huh? A little fun for me, none for you. The DDT's where it lays, big man. So what are you going to do when I hook it and get what I want from you? Well, Jake Roberts, it looked as though you hit The Undertaker with everything you had, but he just kept coming. Simple foreplay. When the time comes, I will hook the head and I will drive him through the mat. I will put the final nail in your own coffin. Trust me. <laughs> and uh, he finishes it with his uh, final catchphrase in the WWF before he left and then came back a few years later. Trust me, trust me, trust me. And uh, this was his final match before he departed to WCW. And uh, he got really screwed over by WCW. Um, he had signed a contract with them, with Jim Hurd, when Jim Hurd was running the company. And it was for a lot of money. And Jim Hurd, uh, between the time that Jake signed and when he departed the WWF, because uh, part of the deal was, hey, let me finish my dates with the WWF. In between that, Bill Watts came in and took over. And Bill Watts hates Jake the Snake Roberts and tore up his contract, which is probably illegal, but Jake, what, are you, what can you do? And uh, gave Jake a much lower rate to come to WCW. So he really fucked over Jake the Snake Roberts here. Uh, Jake has admitted to being loaded on this match, and you can tell... Because he jogs to the ring and then sits in the corner. And uh, we give Jake a lot of credit, usually as one of those guys that can perform while he's loaded. But uh, he starts out the match not too great here. Uh, no, he, he did no fine snake. during the match. but No snake. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Jake forgot uh, the key piece of his act, the snake. And, um, well, and that's a good way to know if Jake the Snake Roberts is going to lose a match. Is he bringing the snake out? If he doesn't, um, I'm putting my bets that he's losing the match. And also, if he brought the snake out, Undertaker can't use it on him, on Jake, because Jake's not afraid of snakes, and you can't use it on Undertaker, because Undertaker's a dead man. So, um, the snake, I guess there's really no value in it in this match, is the only logical explanation, but the crowd would have liked to have seen it, you know? I mean, it's part of his act it would be like if 
It'd be like if Paul Ellering didn't bring out Rocco at SummerSlam. It's important to the act. So he sits in the corner, the gong hits, and Undertaker struts out to the ring with Paul Bear. I had to fast forward through some of it because it's still an Undertaker entrance and it takes forever. And it's weird because since the skylight and everything and they didn't do they weren't doing the lighting effect with Taker, so it's not the dark, smoky it's not the phenom entrance. It's just a dead man walking to the ring. Dead man walking. Taker is just going to no-sell Jake strikes. That was uh, That's pretty much Undertaker's uh, format here for the first uh, few years of his career. Just no-sell everything. He no-sells all the strikes. Jake gets thrown into the post after he clotheslines Taker out of the ring. So Jake pays for it by getting whipped into the post. Taker brings him back into the ring, whips Jake from post to post, does some blatant chokes, which is... Another MO of Undertaker in 1992 is he's got about five moves. He's got five moves of doom. And one is a blatant chokehold, which the ref lets go for ages. And uh, he finally lets go and drops an elbow on Jake. Then we get the leaping clothesline from Taker, something that he would keep throughout his career. Taker goes for a scoop slam, but Jake hops out and hits the DDT out of nowhere. Are we going to have an upset? You know the answer if you're listening to us um, past the year 2014. Uh, Taker sells it for a while on the ground and does the Michael Myers sit-up spot. Then Jake short-arm clotheslines Taker, who gets right back up, but eats another DDT. Bearer screams at Taker, holds up the urn, which distracts Jake, who goes after him instead of focusing on Taker and fucks up. Because as he tries to get the urn, he gets a tombstone instead on the ring mats. And Taker takes forever to roll Jake into the ring, which I almost thought might get a kick out. But no, one, two, three Undertakers. The streak is intact, my friend. Two and oh at WrestleMania. Yeah, I think this is one of Jake's best WrestleMania matches. Uh because he had so much to work with, in my opinion. And I also think that Taker, this is one that I know the streak wasn't alive or anything like that at this time, but this is definitely one that people are thinking, okay, this is a serious challenge for Taker. This is something this is somebody that can hang toe toe to toe with him. So I love this match. I have always loved this match. Even though it was it, you know, even if it wasn't a WrestleMania match, I just love this matchup and enjoy from start to finish, bell to bell, this entire match. Well, and also the crowd didn't know probably that Jake was one foot out the door or it would have lost a lot of luster. And it wasn't like last year when they brought in Jimmy Snuka, who's not a regular player by the 90s. So, you know that he's going down. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was a of good buildup at least yeah this is a guy that challenged him on his own grounds on the uh on his set of his talk show that he had on saturday night's main event so the funeral parlor and uh i'll include this had a uh a, a promo attached to it so i'll i'll air some of that here too i just uh forgot to mention it in the notes so uh yeah i thought this was a pretty good uh, especially for early Taker, because I'm not really a big fan of Undertaker, uh, his early in-ring work, his early 90s in-ring work. And uh, I think Jake made the most of it. 
And uh, really, uh, with those two DDTs, you he really had the crowd bite that Undertaker might actually get beat. I mean, Undertaker had been pretty invincible outside of that one controversial loss to Hogan. I mean, he had been pretty invincible, but those two DDTs would have definitely made me bite to think that uh, he might lose this one. So, um, yeah, so a, a very good match from uh, Undertaker here in 1992 mean gene is with piper and bret hart in a very memorable promo which i think i'm pretty sure we've aired somehow uh, yeah during the mean gene tribute i think i aired this as being one of my favorite mean gene moments but i'll put it in here again as uh piper talks about the heart house which kind of breaks kayfabe a bit because uh piper you know is supposed to be from scotland and uh not you know, outside WWF, when you get to the WWF, anything else you did in life, uh, whether you s- competed in Stampede or WCW or the NWA or wherever, world class, that gets thrown out the window. And so for him to mention that, yeah, I I went to the Hart House and I, I know you and you know me and Stu and Helen used to make me sandwiches, bologna sandwiches. So, uh I thought this was a little edgy on his part to uh, mention their history together. So, And uh, it's also a really good promo because he almost makes Brett laugh at one point. He talks about slapping the bologna on the sandwich. And he also, yeah. he also saves Brett's ass here because Brett, in the early days, not a good promo. And Piper does all the talking. And even when Brett fires up on him, he covers for brett because brett after he says it's all about the title or whatever piper shoves him off and keeps keeps it going like when brett was ready to just say his one line and get out of there so as a matter of fact this is the first time these two men are meeting for the world wrestling federation intercontinental title champion rowdy rowdy piper his opponent A former IC champion himself, number one contender, Brett the Hitman Hart. You know, Gentlemen, we have arrived. We we have arrived. You know, I got to say, first of all, man, I got to tell you how much I love your family. I got to tell you how much I love your mom. I know you. I know this guy since he's been uh, knee-high to a grasshopper. I know. I remember when they were changing your potty pants. I remember even when... Of course, you weren't potty trained till he was seven, but ah, everybody's got their problem. Tying, remember tying bows in our shoes when we were kids? Of course, your shoes were always tied together. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to me because I remember when Mrs. Hart used to come down, man. She used to make them sandwiches, man. Throw on that bologna. Of course, only one piece of bologna, but that don't matter. I was hungry. Then she'd come up and she'd go to her little... What is this? yourself. Oh, keep my oh, this is nice, huh? Here I am having a little fun trying to make you at ease. Gonna have a nice con to keep him to yourself. Have a nice contest, and here you want to be a hero all of a sudden, huh? You want to be a hot shot all of a sudden. You want your belt all of a sudden. Is that the idea, huh? Look, all I care about is one thing. I want to win back the Intercontinental belt. You got it. I'm gonna take it. That's you right. keep your hands to yourself. Let me help you out a little bit, buddy. We can, we can settle right our Oh, yeah, you damn betcha we can. Right here, that, well, I knew it here when I can have a million people watch me rip your head off. Would have had you. No, you wouldn't have. Oh, th- th- thank you, gentlemen. Bye-bye. Bret Hart on bye-bye. his way bye-bye. to the ring. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
this should be a classic, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think Roddy, so. Roddy, Roddy, Piper, defending Not against today. the challenger. Let's get back to ringside. She be mine. A very good promo by Piper. I mean, the thing he's known for more than his wrestling is his mouth. So uh, yeah. this is an excellent example of it. And uh, what Brett would do for him in the ring, uh, Piper did for him in this promo. He, he carried his ass here. So uh, good for him. Brett Hitman Hart is out first in his all pink tights. Uh, a rare all pink tighted Brett Hitman Hart. Piper is out next. And he walks aggressively to the ring with a determined look on his face because he's a champion for the first time ever. And he's determined to keep the belt. So he's not just lollygagging, no bagpipes, no jawing. He's just, it looks like he's a contender here. And he comes out uh, wearing his uh, Piper shirt. And then when he takes it off, you're like, holy shit, he is jacked. And he's jacked because he's going to Hollywood. So... He's got to be in uh, shape for those movies. Uh, They get right up in each other's face. Bobby says, look at those two ugly people looking at each other. That seems like a lot of fun. Uh, (laughs) Piper arm drags Brett after a lockup. So Piper shows Brett he can do some wrestling moves, that he's not just a brawler. Piper takes Brett's back, but Brett slings him through the ropes. This pisses Piper off, but he gets shoved right back down by Brett. A test of strength between the two. Piper kicks Brett's arm away, but Brett takes Piper's arm back and works it over while Piper smacks at him and chops him. Brett finally lets his arm go to whip Piper to the ropes, and he drop kicks him. Brett sells his shoulder, but he goads Piper into a small package, so Hitman plays a little dirty here to try to get the first pin fall attempt. And so shades of uh, shades of gray between both these face wrestlers here and Brett's the first one to do it, so kind of a surprise. Hart crossbodies Piper against the ropes, and they struggle to tumble over, but Piper eventually does it, and they fall to the mats. Piper holds the ropes for Brett to get back in the ring, and it gets a round of applause. No dirty motives here. He just holds the rope for him. I thought that was really weird. Uh, he lets Brett tie his boot, and uh, but then this is where he sucker punches him while he tie. He's like, yeah, sure, tie your boot. And then he uppercuts him. So Piper plays heelish too. Piper then bites him in the corner, delivers a nasty knee lift to Brett. Brett sneakily blades at some point in this match, and Piper helps him out with the cut with some punches. Brett hits a flying forearm that takes Piper out of the ring. They both clothesline each other when Piper gets back into the ring. Piper's head is technically covering Brett while they lay on each other, but the ref refuses to count. Piper beats Brett to his feet. He then climbs to the buckle, which, what was he thinking? Piper has never climbed to the buckle in his life. Brett jumps up, drags Piper off the buckle by the head, and slams him headfirst to the mat. Ouch. Atomic drop into a snap suplex for a two-count from Brett, then a backbreaker to Piper. Hart tries the sharpshooter. Piper fights him off. Hart tries an elbow from the second rope, and Piper gets a big boot up to stop him, which was awesome. Piper shoves Hart into the ref, and the ref takes a ref bump. Piper takes Brett outside into the steps, rolls him into the ring, and Piper says, give me that ring bell. And he goes into the ring, and he struggles with his own morals. Should I deck my friend, this guy in the head, with a ring bell? And Heenan just goes into overdrive mode. Do it! Do it! Give it to me! I'll hit him! Waffle him with it! But he tosses the bell aside. Staying a good guy. 
He locks in the sleeper. Oh, we're going to have a retention here. He's going to keep the icy belt. But the ref magically wakes up at this sleeper attempt. Brett runs up the buckle and does a finish he's done at least three other times to my knowledge and rolls over Piper. One, two, three to win the IC belt in a classic fight between Brett and Rowdy Roddy Piper. So uh, this is a finish that he would repeat with, I believe, either Razor or Perfect at King of the Ring 93. I can't remember which one. And then he repeated this with Stone Cold Steve Austin at Survivor Series 96. So, um, and recently in WWE, one of the, I think it was a female that did this, uh, a, a female match, they repeated this spot too. So I think this is a cool finish. I think it should be done more often. I know they'd say, oh, it's done all the time now, but I like it. I think it's cool. I think it's a, a smart way to get out of a, a sleeper or some. Any kind of submission hold a full Nelson, something that you can run up to the, the buckles and roll it over. I think it's smart, and I think it's a good finish and a great match. Uh, an excellent match with uh, Brett working with a guy who's very limited in what he can do, but Brett played to his strengths, and that's what Brett Hart can do. He can make really mediocre wrestlers like Kevin Nash and Rowdy Roddy Piper into great wrestlers for one match and that's what he did and so congrats uh i i love i love this match this is an awesome match yeah this is a great match i love the fact that piper could could like i said earlier perform in the way in which he did and pull things off the way in which he did i love the story of start to finish the match I think it added something that this was a no blade era in WWE, WWE slash F. Um, but yet they got the, uh, they kind of got the slide underneath from Vince that it was okay to do it. Which no, I think- no. See what they, what happened was they told him it was hard way. So they got away with it. Flair got busted. So, oh. uh, <laughs> Flair got charged uh, the hundred thousand dollar fine or whatever, and uh, Brett got away with it. So okay, all right. So I got them mixed up, but yeah, no, that's. I think that was awesome as well that they were able. Well, to- and it wasn't like a gusher. I mean, it wasn't like uh, he was I mean, looking pretty bad, man. <laughs> he was. He was. Uh, he was spitting pretty hard, but uh, I loved it. I thought that was just awesome. Uh, all the way around. After the match, Piper takes the belt from the ref, and we think, oh, he's going to deck Brett with it. But nope. He puts it on Brett's shoulder and helps him up. And then he puts the belt on Brett's waist. And then they hug after the match and leave the ring together. Oh, so sweet. Uh, Get a room, you two. So there you go. Now, uh, the highlight of WrestleMania 8 to me is next. Is Heenan and Gorilla tossed to Lex Luger in Atlanta. To chat about the World Bodybuilding Federation, brother. I'm taking you direct to the home of the newest edition of the World Bodybuilding Federation and the next WBF champion, the total package, Lex Luger. Lex, it's an extreme pleasure to have you here with us this afternoon. Be quiet while he talks. No, Bobby, not only is it your pleasure, but it's everybody's pleasure worldwide watching this show right now. My hat's off to you. 
I've been watching the standards of excellence that you're putting forth in the broadcasting field right this very moment are almost unparalleled. Now, I can't say the same for the fat guy what? sitting next to you, but as far as you go, Bobby, incredible. Speaking of incredible, only you, Bobby, could pull this off to have live and in living color for the first time from my very own home, the Total Package Lex Luger, because I know what a thrill it must be for everyone out there. Oh. Oh. Hey, he said a mouthful. But what's going to happen when you step on stage, Lex? Who are you going to be competing against, and can they match up, or can't they? Tell Come on. <laughs> well, you know, Bobby, last year at the inaugural WBF show, they advertised as the greatest bodies on the planet Earth. But you know, it was a closed party. The greatest not. body on the planet Earth everybody knows unless they've been locked up in Siberia with no access to television, newspapers, or magazines. The most genetically gifted, anatomically perfect human being on the face of this Earth is Lex Luger. So oh. how can you have a best body on the planet Earth contest without Lex Luger being there? Yeah, there's some well-built guys. You got your Gary Stridums, your Mike Christians, your Eddie Robinsons, and a whole plethora of well-built guys, but let's face it, Bobby, when you talk about physiques, comparing Lex Luger to anybody else is like apples and oranges. I am just head and shoulders above the rest. You hey. found somebody more conceited than you are. Thank you. Hey, give us a look. Make this a special event. Give us a look at the oh, body. Please. Give us a peek. Give us a big peek. Well, you peak. know, Bobby, I tend to be a little modest. I know everybody's just dying to see what's lurking beneath this top here right now, but I guess I would get rid of now, now keep in mind, Bobby, that it's only been about, oh, a week and a half. Most of the other competitors trained for years to hope to look like this, but I'd say just a few days off the Snickers bars, as you can possibly see, the total package Lex Luger has it all, whether it's arms, shoulders, chest, traps, legs. That's why they call me the total package. Knows all the parts anyway. You know, we can see the results of training, but nutrition is also very important. Speaking of nutrition, Bobby. Snap that fingers, look at that. That's oh. that's class. Excuse me. Here's to you, pal. Oh, please. See you June 13th, Bobby. That body's for you. And uh Lex goes on about his body. He pronounces plethora as plethora heenan wants luger to show us the goods and i was really nervous here as luger starts to take his shirt off and i uh, wondered what was next but luckily underneath just a world bodybuilding federation tank top uh so we don't get all the guns well we get the guns but not the goods and then he drinks a big glass of milk because it does his body good <laughs> so uh yeah uh lex luger in the wbf which would never happen so uh congrats to lex luger here and a preview of when he debuted and heenan would go crazy for the narcissus but yeah i, I would have been pissed if i had bought a pay-per-view and got this interview put in there <laughs> lex luger is showing up on my pay-per-view eight-man tag is up next which Every WrestleMania needs a piss break, and this is the piss break. The, yeah. The Mounties with the Nasties and the Repo Man, and they all scream. They're facing the good guy, Sergeant Slaughter, 
Virgil, Hacksaw, and then Big Boss Man. They cut a promo getting all their catchphrases in. Virgil is rocking a nose guard, you see, because Sid broke his nose because he's crazy. He's psycho, you could say. Special guest ring announcer Ray Combs, who hosted Family Feud. He hosted an episode featuring some of these guys versus the World Bodybuilding Federation guys. So that's the tie-in here. He does some joke on each of the competitors from the heels and Family Feud style. Uh, survey says you're, you're an idiot. You've got an ugly face. Ladies and gentlemen, to introduce our next contest, our special guest ring announcer, the star and host of TV's Family Feud, Ray Coons. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It gives me great pleasure to be here at WrestleMania. You know, feuds are my business. And today, I have the privilege to introduce a match that will pit eight of the greatest, meanest wrestlers against each other in two teams of four. Although there is no survey that can tell who will win. Who will be called good, who will be called evil? I will now introduce our teams. In our first team, I will introduce, even though I cannot survey who you think win, I did go to the crowd and I asked 100 people for a survey of the words to describe each opponent here today. In this corner, we have a man, the survey said, the Mountie, a man who doesn't a man who doesn't know the meaning of the word fear. But then again, they said there's a lot of words he does not know the meaning of. It's only in the survey. It's the survey. It's the survey, and they also said that as a law enforcement officer, he does the work of three men, Curly, Larry, and Moe. That's what the survey said. And joining him, joining him is Repo Man, the 100 people in, the, in this Hoosier Dome said that no one can call him two-faced because if he was, he would darn sure be wearing the other one right now. I'm just telling what the survey said. Apparently, they knew it his childhood. He was an unwanted child. His parents were disappointed when they first saw him. They were hoping for a boy. That's what the survey said. And last but not least, of our first team, final two making the four, the Nasty Boys, ladies and gentlemen. The Nasty Boys. Our survey of 100 people said we have two men sharing one brain. That's what the survey said. Furthermore, before I get to the next team, one last thing the survey said about the Nasty Boys. When it comes to their success in wrestling, there's just one word that you can wrap it up in, and that is lucky. Whoa! Uh, but a little background on Ray Combs here. He was dismissed from Family Feud, and they brought back the original host, Richard Dawson, in 1994. During his final bonus round on this last show that he answered, the five answers given by the second contestant netted zero points. Combs joked, you know, I've done this show for six years, and this is the first time I've actually had a person that got no points, and I think it's a damn fine way to go out. I thought I was a loser until you walked up here. You made me feel like a man. <laughs> then he signs off with credits rolling, immediately walks off the set, 
and leaves, left CBS television studio without saying goodbye to anyone, got in his car and drove home. Sadly, in June of 96, uh, he committed suicide. So that is the story of Ray Combs. He was deeply in debt at the time of his death. He uh, earned close to a million dollars per year, had trouble managing his money, had two failed comedy clubs, owed $100,000 in back taxes, and also had a $470,000 mortgage. So there you go. Johnny Carson, who gave Combs his first break in show business, gave his widow a check for twenty five grand, saying, I hope this will ease the burden. So that is the story of Ray Combs, who uh, that's just a tragic end to this guy, who I thought was actually pretty good here for what he was doing. Uh, anyway, back to the match. Sorry to bum everyone out. The match starts with yeah. everyone brawling. And the faces clothesline, the heels out of the ring. Duggan gets a USA chant going. Duggan starts with Sag. Sags eats some clotheslines from Duggan and an atomic drop. Slaughter comes in, who, by the way, uh, turncoat Slaughter. I don't, I don't forget what you did last year, buddy. And uh, no one else does either. I want my country back. Nothing. I would have been booing this man. Uh, he comes in to face Knobs, a gut-bustered Knobs from Sarge, who tags in Boss Man to deliver a big boot to Knobs. Repo comes in to take on Boss Man. Repo dodges a splash but gets low-blowed by Boss Man, so the face is resorting to heel tactics. He dodges a roundhouse kick from the Boss Man. Virgil comes in, hits a crossbody to Repo Man for a two-count. The heels break it up. Danny Davis is the ref, the wrestling ref, but he loses order. Uh, everyone's brawling. Sags pump handle slams Virgil for a two count. The Mountie finally comes into the match, screams, I am the Mountie, before diving off the second rope into Boss Man's spine buster. Then all the wrestlers brawl again. Sags decks knobs with Nux, I think. And Virgil covers him to win the match. So the nasty boys, miscommunication. One decks the other with Nux, and Virgil gets the win. Probably Virgil gets the win because he had to wear the stupid nose guard. So they were like, here, you can have the win. You're Virgil. You suck. This match sucked. Uh, it was just a way to get all these guys on the card. And, uh, yeah. Mooney is with Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair, who have a photo of Miss Elizabeth, and they're going to put it on the Jumbotron when Savage loses. That's the whole stipulation of the WWF title matches that Ric Flair has some naughty photos of Miss Elizabeth, and we're going to put them on the Jumbotron, but only if you lose, uh, uh, Randy Savage. I think it'd be more distracting if he put them on before the match started, but that's oh, yeah. just me. Flair cuts a good promo here. He offers Liz one last shot at Space Mountain. Mr. Perfect Champion Ric Flair, this is it. We are just moments away for the... Shut up, Mooney. This is what it's all about. The prize photo of your old lady, Savage. The one we're going to put up on the big screen in the Hoosier Dome so everybody can see what she looks like. We've had it all taken care of. We took out all the flaws. She's as close to perfect as she's going to get. <laughs> oh, and believe me, this is the real deal. Ladies and gentlemen, it's WrestleMania 8. It's Indianapolis, Indiana. It's bright lights. It's the big cities. It's long limousines. It's women lined up for a block to take a shot at the champ and Mr. Perfect. But most of all, it's Randy Savage's attempt to walk the aisle 
to defend the honor of his lady and to try and capture the most coveted trophy of them all, the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Randy, after taking the worst beating of your life, keep this in mind when you're flat on your back. Look up to the big screen, because Mr. Perfect will be waving the fold-out of Liz and pal. <laughs> She's all the way live. And then Liz, to top it off, you got one last shot, baby, at Space Mountain. Can I come along with you this time, champ? Let's go over to Gene Okerlund. And then Mean Gene. Wants to interview Macho Man, but he's refusing interviews, so Mean Gene is shit out of luck. One half of the main event in the middle of the show. The title match isn't bigger than Hogan, which would be a huge mistake based on how this match played out because this is a much better match than the Hogan match. Flair's out first. Not a good sign for the champion. He's with Mr. Perfect. Heenan just goes crazy over Flair. The crowd goes nuts for the black and gold-clad macho man who runs to the ring. He hoofs it down the aisle. He runs down Flair on the aisleway, bashes Flair's head against the guardrail. Mr. Perfect pulls him off and doesn't get tossed for some reason because that was interference. Earl lets us go, though. Mr. Perfect doesn't have a manager's license, but yet is allowed to be there. Earl gets Savage in the ring, and Flair gets clothesline. Mach hits an atomic drop for two count. Macho Man takes a vicious back body drop over the ropes where he definitely didn't land on his feet. He probably landed directly on his back, which sucked. Flair puts the boots to Macho Man for a minute before going to some Flair chops. Since Macho is wearing a shirt, those chops really don't sound that great. So uh, the way to counter Ric Flair's chops is to wear a shirt. A big delayed vertical suplex to Macho Man for a two-count. A belly-to-back for a two-count from Flair. Heenan really wants to see Liz naked for some reason. He's ready to see that centerfold. A back elbow to Macho Man for another two-count. Flair takes Macho outside and beats him against each side of the ring. Flair suplexes Macho into the ring for another near fall. A swing neck breaker to Flair slows him down finally. Flair goes to the top, and if you've ever seen a Ric Flair match, guess what? He gets caught and slammed off the top rope by Savage to a big pop. So I guess this crowd in Indianapolis had never seen this before. A big backdrop to Flair and a pair of clotheslines, and Macho Man is rolling. A Flair flip to the apron, and he tries something else off the top. But guess what? He gets caught again. Uh, He gets caught in a slam that gets a two and a three-fourths count that gets booze from the crowd. They bit the finish there. Uh, Macho Man clotheslines Flair out of the ring. He goes to the top turnbuckle, hits his axe handle that sends Flair into the barricade. Flair gets flung into the steps, and then this is where he does some color, which would cost him some money. Then he flops into the ring mats. Macho Man suplexes Flair on the mats. Flair's in big trouble here. Heenan screams, stop the match, stop the match. He's bleeding too much. Macho mounts Flair and punches him. Big axe handle from the top only nets a two count for Macho Man, and the crowd is just in a fever. They are just going crazy for this match. A slam, and Macho Man goes for the elbow. He hits the elbow across the ring perfectly, but then Mr. Perfect breaks the cover. Macho grabs Perfect by the tie. Earl takes a ref bump. Perfect slips some knucks to Flair. He nails Macho Man with the knucks, covers him, one, two, 
Macho Man kicks out to Flair's astonishment, and the crowd goes nuts. Perfect nails Macho Man with a chair behind Earl's back. Flair goes for the figure four, and out comes Liz from the back. And even though they're letting Mr. Perfect get away with murder, Dave Hebner says, no, 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 Liz, you can't be here. So all the goons from the back try to stop Liz, but Mr. Perfect is free to interfere at will. Flair goes for the figure four, but decides to soften Macho Man's legs up first. Meanwhile, all the goons are trying to get Liz out of there. A figure four to Macho Man. This gets a few near falls for Flair. Macho tries to roll over the figure four, and Flair breaks it after Earl kicks Perfect's hand away, which Earl getting some shine, which he shouldn't have done. But anyway, Flair kicks at Macho in the corner, yells at Liz, This is all for you, baby. This is all for you. And Heenan says she winked at Flair. She liked it. Flair works over Macho's leg again. Then an inside cradle out of nowhere, and Macho Man gets the quick three to beat Ric Flair and win the WWF title for the second time, and the only time that didn't involve Hulk Hogan in any way, shape, or form. So uh, an awesome match, and uh, really back and forth. Didn't like all the interference from Perfect, but outside of that, I thought this was the match of the night. (laughs) Yeah, it's high up there. It's very high up there. Uh, I do put it in the Brett and Piper match pre-head-to-head for match of the night, in my opinion, because both of those delivered more than they ever needed to. Unfortunately, no payoff for us. We don't get to see the Liz centerfold. And the pictures, there were pictures that were published in WWF Magazine. They were tame. It was like Ric Flair on a horse with Liz and Ric Flair on a beach with Liz, but then it turns out they were photoshops because it was really macho man on a horse with Liz and all this other stuff. Liz runs in to reunite with her man. Heenan leaves the booth to go be with flair. Who's distraught. I love that they delay macho man's music. So you can get the post-match fallout before the big announcement. Flair lays a kiss on Liz, uh-oh, and Macho beats the shit out of him. The Stooges try to keep Flair off Macho Man. Flair fights him off and wants more. Some of the Stooges get blood on their jackets from Ric Flair, which was a cool visual. Flair and Perfect finally leave after a job well done after the match because they did put the boots to Macho Man. Macho fights the Stooges off. Fink finally makes the announcement, and Macho Man finally realizes Liz is in the ring And she presents him with the WWF belt. The happy ending, the storybook ending between the romance of Liz and Macho Man, which in real life was actually coming to an end. Uh, But the storybook ending here in WWF, he hoists the gold and pyro, massive pyro starts going off. And that's why I think this should have been the main event. But Sean Mooney is with Flair and Perfect. Perfect and Heenan complain that Macho Man had the tights. He pulled the tights. You say it right there. Flair says Macho Man will claim a lot, but unlike a lot of people, he doesn't cry over spilt milk. You did it once. Let's see if you can do it again. What we have right now is a man that'll walk around town tonight claiming to be the real world champion. Claiming to be the second time WWF heavyweight champion. He'll be claiming it all. And most of all, he'll be claiming the love 
of that Jezebel, Elizabeth. Now, Savage, unlike a lot of people in the greatest sport of them all, we don't cry over spilt milk. We reassemble a team. <laughs> the money, the brains, the nucleus, and we say to our opponent, you did it once, now let's see you do it again. One time means nothing to my career. Tell him, Mr. Perfect. I'll tell you what, one time means nothing, macho man. Like your old lady, you're gonna be damaged goods because this man has never taken a shortcut in the world of wrestling. You, macho man, have taken a shortcut. You had a handful of tights. We were out there, we were wrestling. This man was the greatest World Wrestling Federation champion of all time. He Here it comes. Let everybody have a good long look at it because they're all gonna see how the handful of tights. Right here here I go. Watch. Watch, Moody. You get a good look. Look at that handful of tights. That's a champion. He cheated. He doesn't deserve to have the title. He's like his old lady, a cheater. Well, the way it stands right now, there is a new champion Let's in the WWF. Right now, we regroup together. Where I go, perfect goes. It's all monitored by Eden. And like I said before, Savage, might not be tomorrow. It might be the day after. But I'm gonna beat you, and I'm gonna beat you bad. And every time I see your old lady, I'm gonna kiss her on those moist, wet lips. Woo! Oh, baby champ! Well, as you know, this is not a very safe place to be. I'm out of here. Let's go over to Mean Gene Okerlund. So I guess to be the man, you gotta beat the man twice, is what Ric Flair would like to say. Gene is with the champ, and Liz, Macho doesn't care about the tights thing, brah. He just wants more, and he's madder than he was before. Nobody's perfect. Oh, yeah. That uh, that was a questionable victory. You heard them talking about the tights and so oh, forth. Oh, do I care? I don't even care. It's okay. It's just a piece of what I wanted from you, Ric Flair. This is what makes you tip. This is what makes you tick. This is what makes you tick from the inside out. And I just took a piece of you. You haven't been beat up properly. But I'm going to do that for you, yeah. This isn't all I want from you, Ric Flair. I want the whole nature boy. I want the whole Flair package. Call yourself the real World Wrestling Federation champion. Well, I guess I am now. And what you did to Elizabeth, I guess you couldn't make me any madder than I was before I went into the ring. But somehow, you did it. You made it possible, yeah. Made it possible. Now I'm going to get the rest of them. I don't care if it's in the street, parking lot, doesn't mean matter to me, yeah. Because I'll do anything to win. If I didn't prove it, I'll prove it next time. Oh, yeah. Let's go. If, wait, wait a minute, if I what? may, Randy. Yeah, Elizabeth, what? after what happened here at WrestleMania, the fact that Randy defeated Ric Flair for the World Wrestling Federation title, in light of all of the allegations and everything that's been going on in past months, do you feel at this point that you're vindicated? Wait a minute. What? This is yours. Take it and go. And this... Is yours, Ric Flair? Oh yeah! This is yours! You can have all of me next time. Do you dear? Oh, Mr. Perfect, you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, nobody's perfect! I'm out of here. Oh yeah! So, definitely gonna have a rematch. Not. Oh, well, they had a rematch, but it wasn't on TV, so there you go.
So anyway, at the WrestleMania 8 press conference, Jack Tunney named Hogan as the number one contender, but just got swapped out to Macho Man somehow because Sid Justice called him out and turned on him on Saturday night's main event. So, brother, this is about more than the belt, brother. So he's got to go after Sid Justice. Tatanka's tribe does a dance in the ring while Rick Martell speaks with Sean Mooney. Martell says Tatanka is scalping tickets. I have some reservations about that. <laughs> because look at those Indians. They have no class. They have no style. They don't know anything about fashion. <laughs> Besides, as I get to the ring, I'm going to have to disinfect with arrogance. <laughs> and you know what? I heard they might not even be a match. <laughs> you know, because I heard that Tatanka is still out there scalping tickets. <laughs> Lovely. Tatanka runs out to meet him in the ring. Martel tries something off the top, gets crotch, gets chopped by Tatanka in a backdrop. Tatanka hits a crossbody, gets the three out of nowhere, as this match had no time, and no one gave a shit, and Tatanka was on his undefeated streak. So an impressive win by Tatanka, because Rick Martel was, you know, he was a jobber to the stars. He was a guy that uh, got respect. So a good win by Tatanka, and uh, impressive, because he defeated him in, uh, let's do the official time on that match. I'm going to say, yeah, it was four minutes and 33 seconds. So uh, if you're wondering which match got cut, well, it wasn't this match. It was one later on the card that really got cut to nothing uh, that didn't need to be on the card. Um, but it was. And we'll talk about that in a little while. Mooney is with the Tag Champs IRS. Tax cheats, tax cheats, tax cheats. Everybody's got a price. Thank you. Gene is with Earthquake and Tytoon. They yell something about Jimmy Hart, who I guess turned on them. Money, Inc., the champs are out first. The natural disasters follow. The disasters just beat down IRS. DiBiase comes in, slows them down, but the disasters keep control. Typhoon misses a clothesline to DiBiase against the rope and slowly tumbles to the outside because he is a big man. Earthquake tries the big whoopsie to, to IRS, but DiBiase drags him out of the way. One, two, ten, Money, Inc., get the count out, loss, and keep the tag belts. Good plan. <laughs> so, uh, a nothing match. Uh, I feel like this is how Money, Inc. pretty much won all their tag matches, was by just leaving the match or getting DQ'd, and that's what they did here. When this should have been... LOD taking on the natural disasters or money ink, but um, nope. Uh, so another uh, forgettable match on this card, but uh, the matches that are memorable are, are worth it, and uh, you can forget about matches like this. Brutus the Barber Beefcake is with Mean Gene, and he says he's the number one Hulkamaniac, and Hulkamania will live forever. And then here goes the real nothing match. The Rocket, Owen Hart, taking on Skinner in a absolutely why is this here match. I know why it's here to break up uh, the Hogan match. Inverse DDT to Owen from Skinner to, for a two count. Owen skins the cat and then just rolls him up for the win. In one minute and 36 seconds, 
thanks for stopping by, Owen. We'll see you later. And, um, yeah, that's a match that occurred. Gene is with Sid. Sid promises this will be Hogan's last match. Sir, you broke your promise. Uh, We all know it. Hogan has a sit-down with Vince where Vince just basically wants to come over and sit in his lap and make out with him. And, uh, uh, Hogan, do you know uh, this is going to be your uh, last match? Well, brother, I don't know if it's going to be my last match. And, uh, well, Hulkster, if it is your last match, thank you for everything and thank you for Hulkmania. Sid Justice. Now, this clash, this matchup this afternoon, I expect is going to be a barn burner. No! Uh, shut up, you fat, bald-headed little oaf! Now, you, Hogan, a barn burner it won't be! It is going to be your last match, and I will see to that. I have already made that promise to you, Hogan. As I leave this dressing room, and I stand in the ring, and you walk down that aisle, You remember one thing, that I am the master, and you are but the learner, Hogan. You are but the learner. Wait a minute, Sid Justice, at the risk of sounding negative, you indicate that this is going to be Hulk Hogan's last match. No, I promise it's going to be his last match. We have never heard that from Hulk Hogan himself. As a matter of fact, recently my colleague Vince McMahon talked to the Hulkster And here was his answer. Take a look. Then is this your last match? This WrestleMania, is this the last time we see you step into the ring? When you ask that question, it makes me sweat. Um, Everywhere I've been, people say, Hulk Hogan, we know you've got a lot of things going. You're starting to divide your interests. You've got family, you've got business, wrestling business, you've got other type of ventures out there. Are you going to retire? Then I hear on the other side of the coin, are you going to be able to get by Sid Justice? When I sit here and actually think about my last match at WrestleMania, it chills me to the bone. Being able to handle happiness within my personal life and happiness on a professional level has been one of the greatest accomplishments that I could brag about. So when I talk about letting all that go, putting all that in jeopardy by saying, yes, this is my last match, or by even letting someone influence me, such as Sid Justice, saying, Hulk Hogan, I'm going to make sure this is your last match. All those thoughts I put out of my head. I'm the only one that can make that decision, Vince McMahon. And right now, I have to tell you, at WrestleMania, I just won't know until I come out of the ring if it was my last match. Well, then, whether or not this is your last match, I'd like to say that on behalf of all of us, your Hulkamaniacs, thank you for the memories, thank you for the inspiration, and thank you for Hulkamania. Thank you. See there, Sid Justice? Hulk Hogan didn't indicate this would be his last... Shut up! I don't care! I don't give a damn about the memories of Hulk Hogan. The only thing they'll remember is that Sid Justice is the man that ended Hulkamania. Now you, Hogan, I curse you. 
I curse you and every Hulkamaniac because I, because I rule the world. As it sounded like Vince was on the verge of tears here. In an interview, Sid curses them because Sid rules the world. Heenan and Gorilla tease the real main event, Hogan and Sid Justice. Whippleman introduces Sid. Then Hogan gets his big roadie run entrance. Sid beats him before his song ends, but they keep the song playing while Hogan fights back. Beats down Sid, his song's still playing, and it plays long enough for him to tear his shirt off, do his ear thing, and get all his Hogan shit in while the match is underway. So... A very Hogan thing to do here. Sid takes control with a knee lift and kicks. He beats Hogan down in the corner and delivers more kicks to cheers. Cheers that are energizing Hogan. The crowd isn't actually for Sid, even though they did cheer when Hogan got eliminated at the Rumble. So Hulkamania was uh, dying down a bit, but they were still behind him in Indianapolis. Hogan knocks Sid out of the ring again with some rights. Sid wants to go regroup again. They get in the ring and do a test of strength for ages. Hogan gets up but gets shoved to the corner. He reverses it into a clothesline and then eats a choke slam from Sid. Sid poses and tells the camera, Do unto the man as he would unto you, but do it first, which I don't think is a saying. Sid gets the heat on Hogan forever as he slaps on the Magna Claw, then a side suplex to Hogan by Sid, a power bomb to Hogan, who, fuck you, Hogan, another finisher destroyed by Hulk Hogan, as he kicks out at two. Hulkster hulks up, he rams Sid's head in the buckle, big boot, delivers a scoop slam, followed by the big leg, but Sid, thankfully, gets some justice, because he is Sid Justice, and he kicks out at two from the leg drop. Whippleman comes in, and Hogan tosses Whippleman at Sid, and the bell rings. So Hogan just got himself DQ'd, you think. But that's not what happened. Officially. Even though that's what should have happened. As Papa Shango, Shango Tango, the Godfather, runs out as Hogan and Sid still brawl. Papa Shango and Sid put the boots to Hogan when dun 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 Ultimate Warrior, who had disappeared from the scene, has returned. He uh, held Vince up for a bunch of money, but it's fine. It's fine. Now everything's good. You're back. And he runs down to the ring to help out his best buddy, his best buddy from WrestleMania 6, where he beat him. Hulk Hogan, he no-sells chair shots from Sid. Hogan steals the chair from Sid, hits him with it, and the heels disperse, and the two faces, Hogan and Warrior, do their poses. Somehow, it's announced by Howard Finkel that Hogan won by DQ, even though he was the one that threw Whippleman into Sid, which is a human as a weapon. I think that's a DQ, but in this world, it's not, because it's Hulk Hogan. Then Warrior and Hogan pose in Grandstand, and Hogan gets Warrior to do Hogan poses, which is so fucked up. I would have told Hogan to go fuck himself, and I would have done my Warrior poses. Uh, but there you go. So, the two best friends. Surely this will lead somewhere. No, it won't. This will lead nowhere between these two. 
And uh, there you go. That is the main event of WrestleMania 8. What did you think of Hogan v. Sid? Well, your, your, your connection broke up a bit, but you said it definitely didn't need to go on last. Uh, it, it should have been uh, Flair and uh, Macho it Man. Should, it, should have, it definitely should have gone on before uh, Piper and Brett and Flair and Macho. Wow, so you're going to put it on before Piper? Oh, oh there's no way Hogan's going to stand for that. Or before Brett, mainly, because uh, Hogan has respect for Piper. He's actually lost to Piper, not for a belt or anything, but he has lost to Piper, but he never even gave Brett the time of day, so I don't think that was going to happen. Yeah, this should have been jerking the curtain. There's little storyline attached to it. I think had it gone on earlier, though, you would have got the big pop for Ultimate Warrior right away. Got the crowd really hot. And, uh, you know, you don't have to save that for the end. You you can you can do this and wow, what 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 could happen next? We saw Ultimate Warrior and maybe nothing else happens, but you don't have to save this big return for the end of the show. Now, the crowd loved it. The crowd there loved it, so I can't criticize it too much because it worked. But watching it back now, it's just, for me, the Macho Man match worked better. And you can't put the IC belt on past the title unless you're at Wembley Stadium and it's British Bulldog. Um or you're having a title for title match. Now, had they gone that route and had Piper and, and Flair, who had great matches in the NWA, uh, even though neither of them are particularly very good mat technicians, that could have been something, I guess. Uh, but then you kind of leave Hart out to dry, and he's your he's your work in progress. So uh, you see there you see there are two projects in Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, and so. You have to put them in good positions, and uh, see you see you see the the, the new generation starting to form here. Uh, it hasn't taken hold yet, but um, top to bottom, this is a very good WrestleMania. There's some matches you can skip. You can skip the multi-man tag. You can skip Owen and Skinner, even though it'll only take you a minute and a half if you want to watch it. You can skip the LOD interview, and you can skip the tag match with uh, Money Inc. because as much as I love DiBiase and I tolerate IRS, I do not like Money, Inc. I've never liked Money, Inc., really, uh, mainly because of what I said. They always take DQs. They always take... And that's fair to do once in a while because you're a heel tag team, but it's like every single time. And these guys either had the belt or were fighting for the belt for two years straight. So it just got it's just kind of old for me. But the rest of the card is pretty solid. It's going to take quite a few years to get another big dome WrestleMania show like this that that delivers. It's gonna it's gonna take you until 2001. So uh, definitely something to think about. On our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where do you stack WrestleMania eight? A Sid Justice. Sid Justice, very fair. I am going to give it a Jake the Snake Roberts. It's a a very good show. I'm not gonna not gonna put it up there in the in the upper echelon though. Uh, a lot of WrestleManias get lower than that, so I think this is uh, a 
uh, probably in the top 15 WrestleManias of all time, at least. Uh, maybe top 10. Uh, that's debatable. It's my pick this week, and uh, for our next show, and I'll talk about that in just a second when that'll be occurring, uh, I want to do Super Brawl 8. Super Brawl 8 from 1998 in February. It's the rematch of Sting and Hogan from their disputed uh, Starcade 97 finish. It took them until February to get to that match because Hogan usually takes January off for whatever reason. Sorry. Well, because he can. And uh, so, yeah, Super <laughs> Brawl uh, 8 is what I would like to review because it pairs nicely with the In Your House No Way Out of Texas that I just reviewed, which happened a week before that in February of 98. And it's the last show the WCW did on pay-per-view, really, before... Well, they might have had Spring Stampede in 98, maybe before WrestleMania 14, but it's before the tide swings, before Austin gets the belt, before... I think this is the last hurrah, and it's got some good matches on it, including Booker T and Rick Martell... In uh, Rick Martel's the match where he tore his knee when he hit the ropes, and uh, they had to improvise a Saturn and Booker T match for the TV belt because it was a uh, the winner meets Saturn. It, it, a lot of a lot of good matches on this Super Brawl Eight card. But what I wanted to get to before we get out of here for the day is uh, you and I both are very busy uh, at the moment and very occupied at the moment and so going forward uh there's about 100 people that listen to our podcast uh on a regular basis and uh i want to try to get content out to them every week but some weeks it's not possible for you and i to both be here so just the policy going forward is you'll just get the show when you get it and i've never been good at getting the show out on time anyway because i'm a slacker and i'm lazy but if there's a situation that comes up, like if this weekend, if you can't record with me, I might just put out the show by myself just to get the show out. Or I might not do a show. And that's just, to our audience, I apologize. But that's just that's the way it's got to be for the meantime. Because uh, things are really crazy right now. And uh, so stay tuned. And to- I'll be... I'm dealing with uh, some some little uh, family matters as well, and so that's what put us behind us. And so, yeah, it's um, unfortunately it's it's the way it is right now. Uh, it's not going to be that way forever, and I just hope that you fans will understand and stick with us as we move forward through all this. Yeah, and so even. Uh... There might be some weeks where I do a completely different show than if I if I'm able to record and Patrick's not and he wants to wait and do the, the the show that we talked about with me or if he wants to do a different show then I might put out a different show entirely and just do like I've done in the past with those uh, RWP extras and stuff like that I, just when I find the time to do it just just know that uh that's just the way it's going to be going forward is I'm going to try and get content out and it might be me solo. And, uh, if, 
if I if I can record. And if it's not me solo, it'll be with me and Patrick and uh, it'll just be out when it's out. And so that's what I just wanted to address that before we said goodbye for this week. So because we're recording this on Wednesday, I, I really hope to have it edited out by Friday and usually you and I try to record on Saturdays or Sundays and I try to get them out on Mondays or Tuesdays. And so I know that as much as we're going through a lot of other people, the hundred people or so that listen to us, you know, they listen to us for enjoyment and distraction. And it's important to them too, to have content on a regular basis. So I just want to put that out there. And, and as always, I encourage everyone to go through the archives at retrowrestlingpodcast.com or at retro w podcast on Twitter. And you can always find stuff that we've done to listen to. So that's just, that's just some housekeeping I wanted to talk about. So our next review together will tentatively be super brawl eight. Maybe it'll be out next week with me and Patrick. I don't know. Uh, something will be out. I will put I will put content on the feed of some sort. I will find we will find a way to do something. Uh, but that's that's all I just wanted to say here at the end of the show. But uh, where can fans get into contact with you, Patrick? Uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, at Ref Patrick on Ref Patrick Young. Ref Patrick Young on Twitter, uh, Facebook Patrick Young, like always. I'm uh, more active on Facebook than I am on Twitter. That's just how I am. Um, but I'm always able to shoot you a message back, uh, even if I am in the middle of the thing that I'm going through right now. Uh, just uh, if you want to reach out, I still am able to talk. Uh, it just, you know, bear with me and, uh, yeah, just bear with me through all this. And I promise you that it'll be, uh, it'll get better as time passes. So. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Go to powerslam.tv if you want to, and use the promo code retro wrestling and get a month for free. I'm intern Alex. I am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline. And bingo, bango.